Welcome to the Pro Aging Podcast. Today we have a real treat. We are having a discussion with the incredible Gregory Hunter. Gregory Hunter created and established the Hunter Cleaning Services, a dynamic signature brand of intensive home cleaning services called the High Impact Transformation. The High Impact Transformation procedures transforms neglected and contaminated indoor home environments into medical spaces that induce overall wellness and recovery of outpatients. I really found this uh, discussion with Gregory very interesting on a topic that I was not familiar with, so I hope you all enjoy it as well. All right. Well, today I have the wonderful opportunity to meet with the incredible Greg Hunter, Gregory Hunter of Hunter Cleaning Services. And uh, Greg, I'm I'm psyched that we're able to connect and have a little chat. Um, Before we talk about things that we can do to make sure that we have a clean and safe environment, tell us a little bit about yourself and what what led you down this path to create Hunter Cleaning Services. Well, it was quite a bit of an interesting story. Uh, My former career path was actually in engineering. And so I'm an actual um, architectural design draftsman. And I worked in that field for 10 years prior to being involved in healthcare. And what actually happened was um, a recession came in during the time of Bill Clinton and most of us lost jobs. And I applied for a teaching position at a Maryland Drafting Institute and there were hundred applications on the first day. And I realized, well, I need to dig a new well. So I was freelancing as a design draftsman and uh, had pretty much pretty good command of the craft because I actually worked in all the eight disciplines in the construction industry trade. So background is in architecture. I understand mechanical systems, electrical systems, lighting, plumbing, interior design, landscape drawing, and as well as um, CAD, CAD work. And I'd gotten to a point where my skills as a draftsman were such that I could actually compete with the computer. We had to do corrections to drawings. I would be the guy who would actually erase what the computer had drawn and redraw and edit without anybody being able to detect it. So there was a lady who was in my neighborhood and she had a person who was doing some cleaning for her and the person was leaving. She wasn't gonna be able to get any help. And I felt bad for her because she had a skin disease called scleroderma. And it's a sclerosis of the skin, uh, the fingertips dry out like bone. It's a rare disease, but it's a very um, harsh and insidious type of disease where the bones literally dry out. The skin dries out like bones. And they started hacking off her fingertips and hacking off the tips of her toes. And uh, I really felt bad for her because she needed her home clean and she couldn't open the containers because it was too painful for her to try to get the tops off in her condition. So she asked me if I knew anyone who could um, help her with her house. And I said, well, not really right off hand, but I said, well, you know, I could, I could do it. I, I felt bad for her. So I said, it's not going to kill me to help this lady with her house. So I agreed to help her get the house cleaning. And that was actually the beginning of my adventure, which has now been a 30-year journey in, in the people's homes throughout the Washington metropolitan area. I love where it. I was discovering things that I would never had an opportunity to know about health in general and about 
what's going on on the other side of the door. I mean, we drive through neighborhoods and we see homes and we go to upscale and low scale neighborhoods and I'm finding the same conditions in all this different demographics. Man. I didn't know what part of town you lived in and you know how your district was defined. I was finding people in their homes who were living in unlivable conditions. And the thing that struck a chord for me was to find out that when a person was being discharged from a hospital after they had a medical procedure, they were generally discharged into a home that was previously unlivable. Mm -hmm. So, and, and nothing was done about it. And so you're off the hospital's radar and you're back in your home. They're sending a nurse into the home to provide care for you. But the home is actually occupational health, health hazard as well as a biohazard. So for me, as an entrepreneur, I say, oh, there's got to be a whole lot of those out there. There's got to be a whole lot of those. Yep. And so that's when I really started to tweak up the work that I was doing uh, and focusing on the healthcare industry as uh, a sector that needs to focus on the cleanliness of the home environment as a recovery site. Wow. Rather than just have it to be part of um, just regular everyday living. So the um, well, I have a bunch of questions, but uh, what a great story of what led you down this career path. But so I guess, first off, we all want to avoid uh, the problems that you've seen. And I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear some stories of some really bad problems that you've seen out there. But before we dive into that. What are some things that we can do to prevent, you know, you from walking into somebody's home and saying, whoa, this this place is unlivable? Right, right. Well, one thing I've noticed was that oftentimes when a person is not well, if they're not well connected with family and people in the community, they pretty much go off the radar. And so checking in on people that, you know, from time to time, just stop by and stick your head and see how they're doing, say hello. You will get a chance to see that maybe they're not being able to keep up with things because they have had an injury. And it's not necessarily that they're just unwilling, but oftentimes people get overwhelmed with you know pain from an injury or life situations cause them to kind of spin out of control. So I like to offer people suggestions in terms of how to keep yourself in balance so that your home doesn't overtake you from an unhealthy perspective. And one thing is that you want to create um, ritualistic type of um, behaviors, like uh, emptying the trash, for example. Uh, it's a very simple thing to do, but it's also an easy thing not to do. Uh, I've heard it said that the things that are very easy to do often don't get done at all. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they tend to accumulate. Um, Sometimes people have a tendency to have periodicals and they they don't really have a system of where they want to manage those things. Like if you go into a library, things are placed in a particular category. And to my to my benefit, I had background working in retail and men's clothing and um, and also in cooking as a, a short order cook. So the dynamics of what I understand about kitchens and keeping them healthy and generally organizing people's books and their periodicals in the mail. Uh, often what happens is people get inundated with uh, printed matter. They get magazine subscriptions and mail newspapers and it's ongoing and it generally becomes a pile 
that turns into a pyramid that turns into something that will later become an avalanche. Now, um, uh, Greg, I'm out of curiosity. Like, would you say that most of the clients that you're um, working with, would you classify them as hoarders? Um, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I know that as you were talking about the magazines, I've seen the photos of people just, you know, the piles of National Geographic and the daily newspapers and things yeah. like that. Um, uh, or do you think that some of this is just, you know, accidental? You know, it's just, I'm just not throwing it's stuff away. It's kind of a mixture. Um, what I've come to discover was that there are people who have um, an emotional hurt that often doesn't get resolved and has a tendency they act out in certain behaviors one of the behaviors is that they would have a tendency to shop as a form of medication mm -hmm. so they're shopping and shopping and shopping and shopping and not, not necessarily that they have a need for things but i've been in homes where people were shopping and the boxes of items were never opened they just stack and stack and stack and this is how they kind of managed uh, the pain of somebody who died in the family or some kind of emotional hurt. In other cases, there are people who have an injury and they are generally people who like organization and keep things in order. But when you're in pain and you're in the bed, this you you just can't do it. And, and so and what they might not have their their family might not be around and they might not be able to um support them. Exactly. And oftentimes what will happen is someone will come in and they'll visit a family member who they haven't seen in quite a while. And they're kind of shocked as, wow, look at the mess here. Um, and it's not just that there are items, printed matter and various things that they're purchasing, but you have to understand that a home cannot be cleaned with all the stuff there in the way. So when you get to the bottoms of the stacks of all the things, you have the accumulation of years and years of dirt and rodent activity and different things that can cause an illness if you get it in your system. I remember the first time I did a hoarding home, hoarding situation, it was an apartment, and I found mail under stacks and piles of things that were seven years old and they were unopened. Wow. Unopened letters on the floor. And I actually was able to fill, I overwhelmed the entire apartment complex's dumpster in one visit and I wasn't finished. And so these people, sometimes they have family re um, relationships that are kind of broken. And it's not that they don't have anyone, but the relationship is such that sometimes they're difficult to approach and difficult to manage. And, and you know, I talked to somebody not too long ago who said that they described the the challenges here exactly the way you did that these people they have a pain yes and they feel like buying products or keeping things or what have you that helps them with that pain and i think the thing is with those clients you can clean out their house and you can remove all those things but if they don't get some therapeutic help and talk to somebody right. that you might be back there in a year and it looks the same exact way. Well, not exactly, but it they they have a pattern of behavior. Okay. What I found is that when I do the intensive cleaning, the dynamic is such that when I get 
a certain percentage within into the process, they actually start helping ah, wow. with, the, with the elimination of things, which is a surprise to me. They're like, well, what am I keeping this for? And what happens is the energy of the whole entire space changes. So they may not immediately be able to address what it was, but oftentimes what happens is the story comes out in the process of me cleaning, which is, it's a very interesting experience because I get a chance to get very, very personal and close to the person in terms of their lifestyle and their life uh, story. Well, yeah. You know what I like about what you just said was you called it therapeutic cleaning. I think um, the way that you've described this, I think that's a great way to frame this is that and getting and hopefully they get involved with that cleaning yeah. process too, which gets more buy-in, you know? Yes, yes. And more often than not, I would get, a, what generally happens is at the beginning, they're more resistant to getting rid of any, anything. They say everything's important. Uh, you can throw some things away, but I'll let you know what they are. And it ends up being nothing. And so things may get shifted around. And uh, some of the uh, people have gone through situations where they want to move it from um piles into plastic containers which they never go into later so it's just you're just shifting the, the problem from side to side and never really addressing but what happens is when you eliminate the actual items that are there it gives them an opportunity to get new experiences and new energy in the home even when i do the the cleaning for the people they actually start inviting people to visit them and it's really it's a bonding element because they feel embarrassed for one that they have so much stuff that they don't want to have anyone come in but once it's all clean i had actually a lady who was selling her home and she it was a hoarded environment but she was selling it and moving it and I had done such a thorough job with the detail cleaning you know keeping in mind that coming from an architectural perspective my details are really details <laughs> and the home was so she was so pleased with the home that she went next door and knocked on her neighbor's house and she invited her neighbor just to come over and sit in the living room with her probably the first time in a long time yeah yeah and it took her a while to actually sell the house because she loved her house after it was there <laughs> so it's not that you have to burn the house down you don't have to knock the house down but you can work on the i generally try to work on the person a uh, one room at a time and if the place where they have the most uh emotional noise emotional pain, visual noise. If it's the bedroom, I usually start in the bedroom. Let's get the bedroom quiet. Don't mm -hmm. eliminate everything of value, but there's some things that are necessary to keep them connected to um, their life experiences. So it's not a good idea to just purge everything. It's not good. It's like putting them into shock. You know, this is kind of an aside, but I have an aunt in Brooklyn, New York, who's a nurse. And she was explaining to me the shock and trauma effect of taking a person who's homeless and living on the street and who hasn't bathed for months. And she explained to me that in her experience, they only remove a certain amount of the dirt from the body per day. They don't wash them thoroughly down all at once because all of the people who they do that to die right away. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a very delicate process and you have to be sensitive that um, you have to gradually get them accustomed to the changes that are taking place. And then you want to establish that this is the new norm. And it's not uncommon for me to find people bringing things back into spaces that have taken things out because this is their behavior pattern. Mm -hmm. 
I would have to go in and you know gently remove it back out and get the noise because it's the noise inside their head that's causing this. Mm -hmm. The noise will distract them from being able to keep their home actually hygienically clean. Because mm -hmm. everything is on the head except you know they didn't flush the toilet, they didn't wash the shower. Now you got mold accumulating. Now you got dust under the bed. You got dust in the light fixtures, and now they're sick, yeah. and they're wondering what's going on and really it's the environment that's inside their body that's making them sick so Man. it's a, quite all, a dynamic yeah all of this makes such good sense but i imagine that if you're a family dealing with this or you've got a loved one it's you know mom why don't you clean up and this that and the other and and you've really addressed how your approach is much more sensitive and really listening to as an objective outsider, being able to listen to the, the person and what they're going through. I imagine that you get a, a lot of referrals from uh, home care providers uh, because until somebody has a problem, like you said, and the hospital discharges them back home and then a nurse walks in, you know, like, I, is that where a lot of this gets yeah, that covered? That's where the shock came in. Um, I discovered that people were being discharged into contaminated homes because they had an emergency and the EMS people, they're not going to go back to clean up the mess. They're going to take you to the hospital and care for the person. And when there's therapy or treatment that's required after the hospitalization, um, the home is in the same condition that it was when they rescued the person. So the nurse gets there and they, they put off. Actually, I just got off a call <laughs> before we had this call for another request for someone. And then they're millionaires. But it doesn't matter that the person has high income. If they have an emotional situation and it starts to snowball out of effect, um, it, it snowballs out of control. It becomes a situation that even the people who would like to come into their home to help them can't because it puts them at risk. So wow. for me, I saw that there was a hole. I refer to it as the in-home occupational recovery system gap and such that the umbrella of OSHA's protection does not extend beyond the campus of the hospital to the home. So there's no governance over that home. Yeah. So and, and, you know, I've said to folks, like, if I look around my home environment, mm -hmm. um, it's clean, it's tidy, it's not a bad space, but it's a far cry from a healthcare institute. Like I think most of our homes are nowhere near as clean and hygienic as the hospital or nursing home that we were in. Right, and also you can actually clean a home. I can clean a home cleaner than the requirements of a nursing home wow. and cleaner than the requirements of a hospital. As a matter of fact, some of the equipment that I use is the same technology that they use in, in the operating rooms um, in between patients. It's like proactive uh, air and surface purification devices and things of that nature. But my approach comes from a technical and engineering background approach more than from a maid service type of approach because there's a lot of things that would not be on a person's radar that for me would be an indication that there's a problem that needs to be addressed for example, you can have maybe people in the home and they have a problem with ongoing mucus in the lungs and mm. they're always trying to clear their throat. And what is it about? It's 
people think it's because they're old that they can't clear their throat, and that's really not the case. Um, the mucus production is being triggered by particles in the air. And the particles can be made of anything that's in the air. It can be from uh, exhaust from cars driving by. It can be from dust from the road. It can be from pesticides in the house. Uh, accumulation of dead skin from your body. You know, your skin changes. You shed skin um, every 30 days. And mm. so if you're bedridden and you're not washing your sheets, um, that, that old dead skin is going to be part of the dust environment and you're going to breathe it in. So if you have an infection, for example, a skin infection, like um, if you have like a staph infection, like if you have like a methylene resistant um, staph infection, MRSA, mm -hmm. what they refer to it as, um, you can have infected skin cells on your skin. And when you scratch them off, what's on the skin is still infected, even though it's no longer attached to your body. So a nurse can come in and you've got those shavings from you scratching from the rash and she can breathe it in and actually become infected. So this is something that hospitals are aware of, but that information doesn't really come home with the patient such that the family is aware that, well, you know, we treated her in the hospital, she's well enough to come home, but if this thing is not totally eradicated and it kicks up again, you all are in a position where you can be at risk of getting the same staph infection. So this type of information and approach is actually exciting. <laughs> as weird as it may sound, it's exciting for me to be able to understand that you can get down to the microscopic level. Yeah, well, understanding, so uh, I think one of the things that I kind of really took away from our conversation today is, is that yes, there are some extreme cases out there and yeah. Having somebody like you on the team to remedy that and make this very unhealthy and unsafe environment safer, that if anybody knows of somebody, if they have a client, I mean, I could see Adult Protective Services is a, a place that probably, you know, refers to you from time to time. That's one yep. thing. But mm -hmm. you, what you shared with me is that we all should think about enlisting a service like yours, if our loved one is receiving any kind of care at home to do a, a therapeutic cleaning, um, mm -hmm. because I, and I'm, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what I'm hearing from you is, is that you're looking at this from a much uh, deeper perspective than a typical house cleaner. A typical house cleaner is going to come in and it's going to vacuum and dust and do all those things. But yeah. to really eradicate things that could cause uh, health problems or hazards in the future, that your approach is is much more extensive. Yes. And it's I call it home environmental medicine because okay. I realize that I am taking a medicinal approach to the indoor environment. Because once you understand, for example, if, the, if your home is inundated with dust and you breathe the dust in, you're going to trigger a natural immune system response to the particles that you're taking in. And your body's going to produce excess mucus to try to get the dust particles out of your body. This is why the people can't ever get their throat clears because the air is dirty. So vacuuming the floor doesn't get the dust out of the air. It doesn't get the dust off the walls. It doesn't get the dust off the ceiling, out of the light fixtures. 
And especially if a person has rashes and, and dry skin is issues, that's going to be something that's going to trigger that overproduction of mucus. And this is what's going to cause a person to end up with what we call a cold. It's the, the production of mucus ongoing. They can't sleep. And what it does, it, it will actually interfere with their ability to recover properly because the body will not shut down when it's being triggered continuously. And so people are not aware sometimes that they're being triggered. But if you walk into your, your grandparents' room or your great aunt's room or your mother's house, and the first thing that you notice is that you cough as soon as you start getting in the house, that's a trigger, okay? Your nose starts to run out of nowhere, okay? Your body's trying to get something out that you're breathing in. Your eyes start to get irritated. These are kind of very subtle things that you can notice. Um, some people will notice odors right off the bat, you know, coming from outdoors. But then there's some people who sense of smell, you can actually erode the capacity of your olfactory, which is right behind the nose, the, the part of the brain that's responsible for your smell. And if you're in an environment that's pungent and full of odor, you fatigue that part of the brain so you don't detect it, even though it's still there. But your body is still responding to the odor as though it's there. So if you're smoking in the house and the smoke sticks to everything that it touches, you will get triggered until you can no longer detect that you're being triggered, but it's eroding your immune system. So mm -hmm. anybody coming from a hospital and being discharged into an unclean environment, they will have a very challenging time actually recovering because your body's being triggered by the environment and it's fighting against the process. Wow. And so that's the difference between intensive cleaning and maid service. Um, cosmetics is fine and cosmetics are important, but you have to understand, is the air in the home affecting the lungs? Are, are the people gonna end up with a lung infection? Are mm -hmm. they gonna end up with some type of uh, bacterial pneumonia because they've got uh, mold and mildew in the bathroom in the corners and they just can't get to it because they've got broken legs. Yeah, yeah. man. Well, it's this, a lot, but it's interesting. Yeah, this is really interesting. And I'm really glad that we had this time to chat. Is there, uh, as we kind of wind things down, is there is there something that you'd want to communicate that you didn't have the opportunity to share with us today? And then also, I want to make sure that you share with us the best way for people to get in touch with you. Okay, let me give you the contact information first. <laughs> uh, if you want to call, you can actually call me directly on my cell phone. The number is 240-899-4847. If you want to email me, it's gregory at huntercleaningservices, the number nine, dot com. And I'm also on, I have actually, I have a, a TV show that's streaming on Facebook. It's called The Home Environmental Medicine Show. Oh, wow. And you can actually get uh, the 13 episodes that are continuously streaming. And on that show, I'm basically an advocate and an educator for people who are doing in-home care. So my audience are patients and the people who are taking care of patients in the in-home care environment, uh, giving them insight and information on things that they can be aware of when they go into someone's home to provide care. Like for example, looking on the exhaust vents and the intake vents, if you see them covered with dust, guess what? The filters are clogged and the indoor environment is actually contaminated. So you're likely to get headaches and illnesses and sicknesses and things if you don't have that taken care of. 
Um, let's see, anything else? Oh, things that they can do. Try to be mindful of how you feel when you're inside the space. Sometimes people get disconnected from their, from their own self. But if you have rooms that you go into, and when you get into that room, it feels like it's pulling your energy down. It feels like somehow something about that room makes it such that you don't want to be there too long. That's an indication that your body's telling you there's something about that room that's not kind of lining up with human physiology and the natural flow of things. Um, there are people who had, I've cleaned homes where people had basements that they'd never go into because each time they come out, they're sick. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, when's the last time you cleaned? It doesn't matter whether it's a finished basement or not, but you're going to have dust in the rafters and dust, dust on the mechanicals. And if you take all of those particles and things out of the atmosphere with an intensive cleaning, you can actually lick every surface in it and you won't get sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't, yeah. We don't want <laughs> then you're going to have to come in and clean it again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, man, uh, you're just, this is just loads of great information and you certainly opened my eyes up to the value of a clean environment. And, and so in closing, I got one question for you okay. the incredible Gregory Hunter yes when did you uh, establish that brand the incredible uh, is there a story behind it there is a story behind it it's a funny story and it may not be what most people would expect I'm actually a a 400 meter champion so in my early days I was involved in track and field from middle school through high school and I'm a gold medalist 400 meter gold medalist and I have three older brothers and we all train together and we're all champions Four, two of us are 400 meter champions. The other two are 800 meter champions. So we have this thing about uh, getting what we call our mojo when we're going to pre prepare for competition or performance. So uh, one of my brothers and I, we were training to run a fundraiser run and we were going to run the Marine Corps marathon. We're not long distance runners. We're sprinters. Mm -hmm. I'm a 400 meter guy. That's one lap around the track, 400 meters. Yep. The marathon is 26.2 miles. It was a tough race. And so what we would do, he would drive by, he would call me to pick me up. So we would go do training on the weekends and we would give ourselves um, AKA names for the day. You know, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. And we're going to do this kind of a workout. And so one day he called and I said, well, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be the incredible Gregory Hunter today. And um, so we went out on a run with the group and I actually, um, it was kind of surprising because I'm a sprinter and the other people are not sprinters, but I beat everybody back to the base. It was like a six mile run. And I went out and I came back and they said, I looked like a gazelle when I, when I was coming into the base. And uh, I think Tony came second. That was my brother who trained with me. And so I said, yeah, I told you I was incredible, right? And so everybody kind of laughed about it, but when I got home, my oldest brother called me and I was still in that mindset of, oh, this was fun that, you know, we had this run and we did good and gave ourselves, you know, these AKA, AKA names or whatever. So I answered the phone, the incredible Gregory Hunter. And he says, you're damn right. <laughs> oh, oh, I love it, man. Oh, it's so great. I, liked, I liked his response to it. And so what happened is I said, I'm going to keep saying that because I like the way it makes other people's energy rise. Oh no, it really does. I, I mean, it, it, I think it's great. Um, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> so, well, 
uh, this discussion was incredible and uh, with an incredible person that helps a lot of problems. Really excited to share this with folks because I think there's a lot of folks that you can uh, help and help their clients and their loved ones. So thanks yeah. a lot, Greg. Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity and um, it was a great idea. And also, before we go out, it's not always that a person has to wait until they're in a worst case scenario. I mean, there's always something that you can do on every level, and it's easier to keep a house very clean than it is to get it clean. Okay. So once you get it there, then what happens is there's no one who wants to go back to what, what it was like. Even if they have the behavior patterns, it doesn't it doesn't grip them as much. as So that's kind of how I, I like that. I love it, Greg. Thanks so much. Okay.